Blog Talk Radio. to raise the question, what is it that we're going to do independent of white people? It is very, very hard for us to envision a world without white people. But we cannot create our own agenda until and unless we can define an agenda that can envision a world in which they don't exist. Now we have to wake up and come back to the reality of them. But certainly when we talk about a future, we have to talk about a future from our point of view and our historical understanding of reality. Majuo, Habaragani, Salbona, Indamanesh, Indamana, Yimhotel, Nangadef. Peace, war, Pan-African greetings, family. This is Kamal McCasey Tahuti with a still little cough. <laughs> I apologize in advance. And you have entered Africa's reascension. As usual, start off with the apae or the libation, which deliberately calls upon the energies of our African gods, our African spirits, and the forces of those yet born to bless and guide this endeavor. A go, a go, a go. Odumakuman, Enyame, Enyame Wa, the Treaty of Pone. Ma'at, Chihuti, Odumare, Amenra, Beje Ensa, Asafia Ensa, Abasun Ensa, Abasun Po Ensa, Nana Sergebi Ensa, Nana Tigre, Nana Tigre, Nana Tigre Ensa, Nana Esikentua Ensa, Nana Dadakofi Nsa, Nana Kumi Nsa, Kweku Free Nsa, Akonade Abena Nsa, Asubonten Nsa, Bochirwewa Nsa, Tamensa Nsa, Hirukuhuti Nsa, Sekmet Nsa, Asar Nsa, Aset Nsa, Aho Nsa, Iramili Nsa, Nana nom in Samanfu Ensa, in Samanfu Abasu Fau Ensa, Abasun Abasu Fau Ensa. I ask that Odomakuman and Yame and Yamewa and Treaty Apon to use me and this form to impart clarity and cultural consistency to all within the sound of my voice. May I speak directly to your Sun Sun, your spirit and reawaken the long, dormant, and asleep African inside you. Yeshremo Yansa, Yeshremo Ahoden, Yeshremo Nchera, Yeshremo Sikapa, Yeshremo Nkwaso, Yeshremo Nkwaso Abasuofau, Yei Nkwaso. Medasipa, Medasibio, Mo Piafo, Mo Nekasa. Madasi nanano. Yo, Madasi nanano. So again, welcome everyone to Africa's Reascension. Um, 
Today we're going to walk through a big chunk of the book that I did in um, 2006, How to Make a Negro Christian. Um, also, we'll add in two quick, quick news clips because there's a lot of information I want to cover in the book. Um, and then, of course, got some um, scholar clips to help set, them up, set up everything. So we'll throw on a few promos, well, one promo and maybe some music, and then get back into the, do the clips real quick and then go from there. Welcome to the Desert of the Real. Peace, family. This is your brother, Hollow, a.k.a. Mr. Holipsis, a.k.a. the Buzzkiller. Tune in to Holipsism's Haven every Sunday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, where we discuss the social, economic, and political issues of the day with a common-sense approach, an African-centered perspective, and a universal sensibility. Call in number 347-843-4874. That's 347-843-4874. To check out related YouTube videos, blogs, and show archives, visit www.holipsism.com. That's www.holipsism.com. I'm making it hard to get your Negro on. Hotep, Black Power. There's something wrong with the world. You don't know what it is, but it's there like a splinter in your mind, driving you mad.
Um, that was the great Miriam Makeba um, doing her song in Home. In Home, excuse me. Um, as we know, she recently became my ancestor a few years ago. Like I think last year or something. Died on stage. Wow. Okay. Um, powerful, powerful um, South African singer, powerful South African woman. She was dropping. Um, so definitely had to get some of her music. And plus, got to get some. I always play conscious hip-hop, but I was like, hey, wait a minute. I don't have any traditional, some good African music in my music archive. So I had to start uploading some of that. All right. Um, one quick news clip. Um, I got this out of the um, post October 4th. U.S. apologizes for, for tests on Guatemalans in the 1940s. The U.S. revealed Friday of that particular week the government conducted experiments in the 40s on which doctors infected about 1,500 Guatemalans with sexually transmitted diseases to determine the effectiveness of penicillin. Y'all, President Obama later called um, the Guatemalan president, Alvaro Colón, to apologize. So now I know that folks have been talking about this um, for some time, and they would just get thrown off as, oh, y'all guys talking conspiracy theory and stuff. Why would the U.S. do that? Well, now for folks that don't want to believe, you know, when black folks say it, white folks have come out. They've admitted it. It was in the Washington Post. So for folks that put extra validity over stuff that white folks say, okay, there you got it. Again, that was October 4th of this, yeah, October 4th, um, just a few weeks ago. They've come out and said they infected Guatemalans, and of course they say 1,500 is probably more like 3,000 um, Guatemalans with STDs to do some tests. So um, not to say that all conspiracy theories are true, but a lot of them after if you stick with the story <laughs> and, and 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 keep up, you know, maybe 5, 10, 15, sometimes 20 years after the fact, most of what the folks were saying beforehand is actually true, and they just now admit it because they figured no one else in the hell was listening. Um, secondly, and this is more online with um, what we talked with, with the main thrust of this show, um, a few weeks ago, y'all Pope created a new division called the Pontifical Council for New Evangelization. And basically, this um, one of the profiles of the council is to go back throughout the world and evangelize them, to they are planning on reinvigorating the Catholic missionaries to go back out into the world and in all the places where Christianity is not, they want to put it there. So now he created that council, uh, and its president is Archbishop Reno Fischella, Fischella, something like that. Anyway. Um, so he's the president of it. But now just recently, they came out with a, their first edict um, on the 12th of this month. Um, he created this office Tuesday to revive Christianity in Europe. His latest attempts to counter secular trends in traditionally Christian countries. In the decree, 
Benedict said the new office would promote church doctrine, use the media get, to get the church's message out, and mobilize missionary-type activities. Now, I'm trying to get my hands on the entire decree. Now, the decree was only done in Latin or Italian. It's a four-page decree. Uh, but I've got some friends. i got a friend that knows um, Latin. So I'm trying to get the get my hands on it to um, translate it so I can share with y'all what's actually in the whole thing. But um, now I know I said Europe that that he's looking at. He's made reviving Europe's Christian roots a priority. While the decree listed no specific geographical areas of concentration, the evangelization office is expected to pay attention to Latin America where evangelical movements are making inroads in traditionally Catholic countries such as Brazil. Such as Brazil. Hmm. Um, in the decree, Benedict lamented that with tremendous scientific, social, and cultural progress over the past century, parts of the world that once had strong Christian roots had grown to believe that they cannot exist, that they can exist without God. Now, Latin America, now, Latin America is one place that they said, but after you keep looking at the story, because a lot of folks are just restating everything that the um, AP Wired put out. But once I kept digging and kept digging, um, they are looking at going into Africa as well. Um, any place that has a high evangelical um, contingent, uh, this this new pontifical council will be going in and, 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 and giving money and giving more people, giving them more people to help spread the missionary effort. Um, and we know, since they mentioned Latin America, since they mentioned Brazil, they're going to hit up and attack Bahia. Um, for folks who know, for folks who may not know, Bahia, Brazil has been a... Um, Folk wharf in, in traditional African spiritual systems. They have, um, as of I think 1983, thrown off syncretism as as a need to um, cover the traditions within Catholicism. You know, we we did that for a time to to fool the Caucasoids, and so Bahia they finally you know, made an edict saying we, we no longer need to do that. We can deal with our Orisha. We can deal with our Ifa system outside of that cloak. And so we know that um, y'all Pope is going to make sure that these that, that, that his bastards um, focus and try to hit up and convert Bahia. But we also know that with this new council, they will hit up Africa as well. So... I'm going to keep my eye on this story. Like I say, I'm going to try to get my buddy to translate the Latin so I can read the, the full decree and see what's going on with that and then report and share with everyone. Lastly, um, um, these bastards are serious. Um, after they came out of their dark ages, they sent all their people to all the corners of the world, and that's why Christianity is where the hell it's at. It's everywhere, damn near. Not everywhere, but close to everywhere. And um, telling the people what y'all doing is wrong and 
how y'all been praying and, and venerating and all that is wrong. We're coming to give you the real truth, the real word, and those efforts worked on some level, but now they are um, revitalizing those efforts. And so we need to be vigilant as much as we can to um, help our brothers and sisters where we can, um, giving them strength to fight that crap and let it know that it's okay to uh, be African in all ways, but especially in their own um, traditional spiritual ways. So um, those are two quick news clips. Um, Play a few more, play another promo, another piece of music, and then we will jump right into the topic, how to make a Negro Christian. Reascension. I am your host, Kamal McCasey-Tahuti. Finally, a forum for the uncompromising, unapologetic, culturally centered African population. Sundays, 11 p.m. on the East Coast, blogtalkradio.com slash Kamau, K-A-M-A-U-301. Let's deal with Africa's wisdom on our own terms, untainted by foreign ideas, and reclaim our birthright glory. Are you ready to lay the foundations to create societies and nations that will make Kemet look small? Africa's Reascension, Sundays, 11 p.m., blogtalkradio.com slash Kamau, K-A-M-A-U-301. blogtalkradio.com slash Kamau, K-A-M-A-U-301. Call in number 760-454-1111. 760-454-1111. The time is now. Abibi Fahodie, Total African Liberation. Until we have reestablished Africa as a preeminent value, none of those other solutions mean a doggone thing. Sabuemoyala, 
his words and then pose some correctives as well. And so the, 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 the first chunk of the book are those reprints of his words, and then the last chunk of the book are correctives to the template that he put out. One reason that I went ahead and decided to reprint um, both documents in total is because I didn't want nobody to say that, well, brother, you're just taking his words out of context. No, I'm giving you all the documentation, his actual words, so you can see what he said and and um and know that I'm not taking that out of context. Now, throughout the book, and I'll share some of that tonight, um, after the reprints, I then pull out certain um, certain certain paragraphs, certain lines, and then add um, analysis, add some commentary to it, so that um, so I'm, I attempt to then guide you through. But the way it starts is you read all of his words first. You read that sermon what he put out, and then you read my comments and analysis. Then you read his suggestions. Um, for the religious instruction of the Negro, and then my commentary and analysis. So that's the way that I laid it out. Um, but then again, I also was informed by this clip that I'm about to play, and so I had to add this into the mix as well. We should always begin with the African worldview, with the African asili, as it were, the asili, the cultural seed, the essence of the culture, because that is our grounding, that is our frame of reference, and without an understanding of the African worldview, we really cannot um, critique European thought and European behavior effectively. We need that foundation that comes from outside of the European worldview. We cannot critique European thought and behavior functioning within their framework. We have to come outside of it. And for us, what comes from our nature um, is our understanding of the world, the way in which we relate to the world, and the seed from which our culture developed. And so, yeah, so for everyone who, who may not know, that's um, from Mama Marimba Ani. <clears throat> and, and I really take that to heart. I really, really try to take that to heart. We have to come from our perspective first and it has to be looked at from outside of their European paradigm to fully be able to understand, one, who we are on our own terms, and then, two, if we are going to critique European stuff, again, it's coming from a fresh perspective, from a fresh cultural understanding. It's not done from inside, which so many of us try to do, and then we wonder why stuff fails. So in the intro, I walked through um, – showing how we're African, and I walk through, <clears throat> excuse me, what Christianity has done, how, well, I'm getting ahead of myself. So, yeah, so basically the opening line is we are an African people. While many people may uh, make the claim on a genetic basis, genetics is not the only determinant of identity. And then I pull in a lot of information that I did on my debate 
that everyone has probably heard if they go to my page, uh, my page here. And so, again, like I say, I walk through, I try to break down, you know, the African worldview and what we came from and where we are, um, that which has defined our existence even to today, but even, but specifically up at least until 1440, Gregorian calendar when Caucasoids came and um, did what they did. Then, then I move into the argument that we were not always Christians. Um, a lot of us, for whatever reason, feel that we came over here as Christians, um, and that's completely and utterly wrong. And and I have a nice long quote in here from um, Baba Amos Wilson, which which really breaks down how Christianity is how Christianity is empowers Caucasoids and how it disempowers us. Our accurate history, I'm quoting from the book, our accurate history shows that Christianity only intruded into our spiritual lives in mass numbers around 1900 um, A.D. Gregorian calendar, or roughly for an infinitesimal 106 years. Um, if this writer may be blunt, knowledge of our real spiritual historical chronology in this dungeon called America is grossly inept. Too, too many feel we came over in mass as Christians partly due to faulty research linking the ancient invasion-laden pseudo-Christianity of Egypt and Ethiopia to modern-day Africans. And then i say more on this later. And so then i pull a quote um, from Adu Bohan in his book, um, Topics in West African History. Um, i pull out two other quotes from um, The Religion of the Slaves by Professor Terry Matthews, and Voodoo, the Religious Practice of Southern Slaves in America by uh, Vivian Dante Housen. And uh, both, both of these quotes, both of those quotes focus on the fact that Christianity made very little inroads into our lives until 1900s, uh, late 1900s, well, 1900 proper, actually. Um, to quote Professor Matthews, in the early decades of the 19th century, Christianity had made little to no inroads among blacks for fear that they might take literally such narratives as the Exodus. Various plantation owners expressed a concern that the superstitions brought from Africa have not been wholly laid aside. This was often critiqued as evidence that the plantation slave refused to abandon African paganism for American Christianity. There certainly may have been an element of truth to these observations about the persistence of what he calls African-American spirituality in the face of efforts of whites to erase it. Long before their contact with whites, Africans had a strong religious and deeply, excuse me, Africans were a strongly religious and deeply spiritual people. Indeed, the religion of modern blacks represent a relatively modern development that dates back to the last several decades before before slavery was brought to an end. Very little, Christianity had made very little inroads into our lives, even on the plantations within the 18th century. But by the time the 19th, in the 19th century, excuse me, 
damn Gregorian calendar. But by the time the 1900s roll around, by the time the work of Reverend Dr. Charles Colcott Jones comes into effect, really, really, that's when when they take they took their first census numbers of us. I think in yeah 1906. Um, that's when you see large, large numbers of us um, claiming Christianity, and then that goes into um, Carter G. Woodson. Um, off the internet, I think it's his um, history of the Negro Church. I pull a quote in there giving some specific numbers. Um, the student of this phase of history will naturally inquire as to the actual results from all of these efforts to promote the progress of Christianity among our people. Here we are at a loss for facts as to the early period. But after 1890, when the first census of Negro churches were taken, we have some very informing statistics. And although the general census of 1900 took no account of such statistics, the Bureau of the Census took a special census of religious institutions in 1906. Um, comparing these statistics of 1906 with those of 1890, one sees the rapid growth of the Negro church. Although the Negro population increased only 26.1% during these 16 years, the number of church organizations increased 56.7%. The number of communicants, 37.8%. The number of edifices, 47.9%. The seating capacity, 54.1%. The value of church property went up 112.7%. So, again, not only did we not come over here as Christians, we still had very strong ties to our um, traditional spiritual systems. Um, Charles Colcock Jones and a few other folks um, decided to take it upon themselves to give Christian, to create specific ways on giving their property, us at that time, Christianity. And I say throughout his efforts and his legwork primarily, he helped create the template that um, other enslaved African owners used. And they upped upped the ante, and by the turn of that century to the 1900s, 1906, when they took the statistic, that's when you see the explosion of us being Christians and Christians. Unfortunately, while those numbers are decreasing, they're not decreasing fast enough. Um, so, yeah, so then again, within the intro, I'm making some other arguments. <clears throat> Reconnecting to our main theme. We weren't Christians, but we became Christians. Why? Why were are the spiritual systems of spirituality, the African systems of spirituality, so fearful to Caucasoids? If we all believe in a higher power, a higher force, a supreme deity with different names, then why do why do Caucasoids expend so much energy, time, manpower, and resources to convert and spiritually conquer African people, as well as demean, degrade, and diminish traditional African spiritual expressions? Um, first and foremost, power and control. Caucasoids did not, can never fully understand our spiritual systems. Caucasoids understand, and I'm being, and, and, and I say this in the book, I'm being real generous here. 
they understand maybe 5% of the totality of Africa's spiritual systems. This give or take 5% comes mostly from reducing its profundity and comparing its, our stuff, to their own religious concepts and not on African conceptual terms alone. This then, give or take 5%, is repackaged as total understanding um, as as in the works put out by by, by two main Caucasoid um, interlopers within our spiritual systems, uh, Philip Nemark and um, David Wilson. Now, 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 here's the catch, though. This, however, what I just stated is present day analysis on the power control dynamic. Back during this time, infiltration and co-optation was not the strategy of the day. Total banishment and destruction was, since they couldn't understand our systems. All things historically the Caucasoids cannot elicit power over and cannot enact control on must be destroyed or at best pushed into obscurity. And so, so yeah, so then I move on, give a few more quotes, trying to, again, lay the foundations of who we were what we were dealing with before this um, Christian crap took hold of us. And and I give some more interesting quotes and things like that. And then the book formally introduces everyone to the life of Reverend Dr. Charles Colcock Jones. While characters of some influential works have been proven to possibly be fictional, I have gone through lists to make sure Dr. Jones actually lived. And so below is information regarding his actual life, family, lineage, and the sources that they came from. And then I move into reprinting the entire the entirety of his works. So um, Dr. Reverend Charles Colcock Jones, he was a clergyman, born in Liberty County, Georgia, December 20th, 1804. He died there. March 16th, 1863. He was educated in Andover and Princeton Theological Seminary, was licensed to preach in 1830, in 1831 became pastor of First Presbyterian Church of Savannah. Uh, in 1832, he returned to Liberty County and devoted himself to the education of the Negro race. <laughs> Uh, moving forward, besides many tracts and papers, he published Religious Instruction of the Negro in the Southern States, 1837, Suggestions for the Instructions of the Negro in the South, 1855, and History of the Church of God, um, edited by his eldest son in 1867. Um, another quote, large Slaveholders such as Reverend Charles Colcock Jones worked to comprise a Christian primer for slaves to instill teachings that were designed as a response to the portents of revolution and to serve as a preventative measure to any insurrection. <laughs> Large slaveholders like Reverend Charles Colcock Jones worked to comprise a Christian primer for slaves to instill teachings that were designed as a response 
to the portents of revolution and to serve as preventative measures to any insurrection. Like when the um, Matt Turner thing went down, he really got freaked out, and he really chose to amp up his efforts um, of, of, of sharing his way of death to um, enslaved African owners. Uh, I knew that would happen at some point. <laughs> my, my 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 own call drive. All right, blog talk. Okay, so it says I'm back on, so hopefully everyone can still hear me. All right. So yeah, a bit of side information. Um, he married his first cousin. Yes, <laughs> he married his first cousin, Mary Jones. Um, and folks have called him an apostle to the blacks. Um, that's I think that's why out there that um, folks are calling him an apostle to the blacks. But yeah, he he definitely dedicated his life to getting his information out. And um, I would say it's worked even better than he could have even imagined that it would have. And so, yeah, so large, so this large section, I just walk through and um, give different sources um, about his life because, again, um, folks want to talk a whole lot about Willie Lynch, Willie Lynch, Willie Lynch. I'm sorry to tell everybody, but he did not exist, and the Willie Lynch letter is a fake. I don't care, don't give me no crap about, well, we've got the real lynch mentality. No. It seems to be a lot easier for us to deal with myth, lies, and folklore than to actually deal with real tangible information and real tangible people. We have been cold-cocked by Christianity. And within this book, I try to lay out that information as clear as possible. So let's throw away this Willie Lynch lie and, and, and get into... Um, how to make a Negro Christian, and for anyone that, do, that 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 may not have come across the information that the Willie Lynch letter is a fake, um, professor, you can Google Professor Manu Ampim, M A N U, last name A N P I M, and that should take you to his website, and he's done a two-part um, series as far as writing it down, and then he's done different. Um, Speaking engagements, talking about it, um, the, the 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 crap that was laid out in the Will Lynch letter is not how they divided us. There was some specific stuff when you read our actual history on how they divided us. The Will Lynch letter sounds good, and a whole bunch of folks made some books and made some money off of it. But let's get off of this Willie Lynch mentality, because you might as well be talking about Santa Claus or Jesus. Willie Lynch did not exist. I go through lengths in this in my book to show that Charles Colcock, 
Pac Jones did exist. He did live. He did do the things that I'm talking about. So if we want to be taken seriously by 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 the, the, the fifteen good causes out there that may be fighting for, you know, oppressed people to stop being oppressed. If we want to be taken seriously by the rest of the world, um, by the rest of the traditional people and all that, let's deal with what's real and tangible stuff and let's talk about the, 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 the Charles Colcock mentality that we have and how we've been cold cocked by Christianity and other stuff. Let's let's move beyond um, things that did not actually exist. Um, and Carter G. Woodson, and and I'm mentioning him briefly. Uh, everyone loves his book, Miseducation of the Negro. I like Miseducation of the Negro as well. A lot of the information that I'm talking about, um, where uh, the, the the few quick quotes I'm going to talk about comes from the book he wrote before that called The Education of the Negro. And I think folks deliberately don't read that book because in there he lays out that the majority of our teaching, the majority of how we learn how to read, the majority of the people who we learn to look up to during those that, that, that 1800s period, 1900s period during that time, was Christianity, was um, our pastors, our preachers. It was the Bible. We learned how to read through the Bible. The people who we got, who got pushed up in front of us as people we should respect and listen to was the clergy. In mass, we, we weren't allowed to go to their schools early on, but we did learn how to read. How did we do it? We learned that through the Bible. That's one reason why it's so hard for us to break from it now is because for the last 110 years now, beginning of the 1900s to right now this very moment, Christianity has been embedded in us from our beginnings here in this damn country. And so I think folks skip over education of the Negro because that's where he lays that out. And, he, and he's not blasting it like I would. But he, he he shows that he doesn't it doesn't paint a, that good of a picture of it. Um, we jump to miseducation of the Negro, which is needed, which is good, and which is still valid. But I think a lot of what was said in education of the Negro by Carter G. Woodson is equally still as valid today. But the time is zooming by. Damn, I swear, hour isn't enough. But anyway. <clears throat> What he had to say, what Carter G. Woodson, an education of the Negro, had to say about um, about um, Charles Cocock Jones, prominent among the Southerners who endeavored to readjust their policy of enlightening um, the black population was Bishop William Meade, Bishop William Capers, and Reverend Charles Cocock Jones. Meeting the argument of those who feared the insubordination of Negroes, Jones taught that the gospel would do more for the obedience of slaves and the peace of the community than weapons of war. He asserted that the very effort of the masters to instruct their slaves created a strong bond of union between them and their masters. Excuse me. History, he believed, showed that the direct way of exposing the slave 
of exposing the slaves to acts of subordination, insubordination was to leave them in ignorance and superstition to the care of their own religion. He asserted that no large number of slaves well instructed in the Christian religion and taken into the churches directed by white men have ever been found guilty of taking part in servile insurrections. Let, 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 let me go ahead and restate that. He asserted, Charles Colcock Jones asserted, that no large number of slaves well instructed in the Christian religion and taken into the churches directed by white men had ever been found guilty of taking part in servile insurrections. Excuse me. <clears throat> I think we can agree that that holds true for today. Um, I know that some have been making the argument that any time that folks needed to do an insurrection, they went to the church, um, and that's where they met, and that's where they had their meetings, and that's where they did stuff like that. My, my quick response to that is, we know about Gabriel Prosser, we know about Denmark Vesey, we know about Bishop Henry McNeil Turner, we know about Alexander Crummel, we know about Matt Turner, and we know how they attempted to use Christianity and reinterpret it to give us um, freedom, if you will. I don't even think I named ten people, and I'm sure there may be a few others that we know. Let's say there's 50 Let's say there's 50 black folks, men and women, who attempted to use Christianity, especially during the times I'm talking about, for our freedom. But then let's juxtapose that to the thousands and thousands of churches that were in existence. Those 50 does not automatically eradicate the thousands and thousands who were preaching mainstream who was preaching be servile, who was preaching um, be obedient to your masters, who was preaching don't shake the boat. Yes, we, we, we can, anything we touch, we, we do tend to, um, as Dr. Clark said, we need to make it an object of our liberation or throw it in the ash can. But some folks want to take those, and I'm being generous, 50 examples, and then say, well, the church has always been an institution of revolution. That's bullshit. Point blank, that's bullshit Because the totality Of Christian history Within our existence Does not prove that out The totality Of Christian history Within our existence Does not prove that out So I do not in any way Want to diminish Those folks of our past Who didn't Really, who didn't have the tangible information of our traditional spiritual systems to use, so they used whatever that they had, and they used Christianity to attempt to move us towards some liberation. I'm not diminishing that in any way, shape, or form whatsoever. But what I am doing is people want to make excuses for the totality of Christianity to claim it as ours, to claim it as an aspect of our, our, our revolution, and, and move on. We have more information now than we had back then. Our traditions have come across the waters and reinvived themselves so that we can reawaken um, them in us. So, so 
what we had at that time, we used it to get us to a certain point. We have more information now, and we can now move aside from Christianity and get back home. And at some point, I'm going to share with people um, my, my larger analysis. I, I, I did a piece called Christianity is like chitlins. Yeah, you heard that right. Christianity is like chitlins. Um, it's for, for us to do whatever with, and we turned it into something to eat to survive. Now that we have more food options, now that we know all the harmful effects of uh, pork intestines, Large portions, still not enough of us, but large portions of us have moved away from that. We used pork intestines at that time for sustenance. Equivalently, we used Christianity at that time for sustenance. Large portions of us, not enough, but large portions of us have left chitlins alone and are now eating better, healthy foods. Large portions of us, but unfortunately not enough, have moved beyond Christianity, and we're getting more into healthier um, spiritual mandates. So I see the time is quickly zooming. Um, going back to the book, How to Make a Negro Christian, the Negro instruction must be an entirely different thing from the training of the Caucasian in regard to whom the term education had widely different significations. For this reason, these defenders believed that instead of giving the Negro systematic instruction, he should be placed in the best position possible for the development of his imitative powers to call into action that peculiar capacity for copying the habits, mental and moral, of the superior race, white folks. So, dang, I only got one minute left. So, so, part two, we'll walk through some of the specifics within his sermon that he did in 1832, the religious instruction of the Negro, and I'll share some of the commentary, and then maybe we'll even be able to move into um, the suggestions for the religious instructions of the Negro, his updated piece. In 1847 So there are some callers I see there are some callers online um, You'll be brought in live Another 60 seconds For folks in the chat 760-454-1111 um, um, If you want to purchase the book Please go to NegroChristian.webs.com um, From there If you buy my book You get to pick up a free book um, I have 15 books on there to choose from. So you get two books for the price of one. Um, next week, part two, uh, let's throw Christianity in an ash can of history and get back to our traditional spiritual systems. Abibi Fahodie, Total African Liberation. of European control works. 
is that you have to accept a concept of reality which makes them superior. If you deny that, their thing will not work and they will lose their control. Damn, this time goes too quickly. So, yeah, so for folks who were on the computer, y'all probably can't hear me now, but if you can, that's about to stop. And so there may still be a few more seconds for you to call in, 760-454-1111. Otherwise, everyone will be brought in live. So um, I may add a little bit more, but I don't want to be coughing on all on the phone either. So I may cut it short if no one else has anything to add, and I get done. But um, this, I felt like, yeah, let me read the back, the back part of the book. Um He walks the reader through what Africans were practicing before arriving on the shores of North America, what Africans practiced on the southern plantations, why African spiritual traditions had to be destroyed in the hearts and minds of the enslaved population, how those traditions were demeaned, denigrated, and almost pushed into oblivion, and how once proud African traditionalists were made and fashioned into present-day Negro Christians. No other work to date lays out the process so succinctly. By reprinting the religious instructions of the Negro, a sermon, selected sections of suggestions of the religious instructions of the Negro in the southern states, and excerpts of catechism of scriptures, doctrines, and practice for the Negro population. Um, putting all those in one work, um, me, Mr. McCasey DeHoody, lets the text speak for themselves and clearly lets the reader see what Caucasoids in this quote-unquote apostle for the blacks really thought about them. This work is invaluable for Africans who always felt ill at ease with Christianity but never had a scholarly researched outlet to back up that disgruntledness. This work also serves as a missing piece of African history in America, which succeeds at showing how the Isa, Ifa, Mende, Malinka, Ewe, Ibo, Akan, etc., practicing African, was made into the Negro-based, Jesus-loving Christian. Um, we got to attack this from as many different angles as we can, and I attempt to do this particular angle in the sense of we never ask how we got Christianity. We never ask that. The books barely even bring it up. Um, I'm I'm, I'm debating if I even want to mention the name of this one particular book because um, a lot of folks have read it and I've seen it used in a few um, Classrooms for us dealing with our history, and and I think if I remember right, it gave one line, maybe two lines to, oh yeah, you know we were practicing some superstitious stuff when we came over here, um, but 
when we got the message of Christianity and we related ourselves to the story, it just sounded like us, and we latched on to it. And then the whole rest of the book, the other 200 pages or so, just goes into how our beginnings here was solely a Christian beginning, and he barely even mentions um, Reverend Jones and, 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 and his efforts. And, and I really felt it's a very disingenuous book. And since this is my particular area of research, if you will, I go through and, and find books that um, that deal with um, our religious history in America, that deal with, you know, especially in the South, because that's where the majority of us were. And, again, I find re- at least, you know, some type of reference after reference to um, Carl, Charles Colcock Jones. And, one, again, that adds added validity that he did exist. And two, that folks, you know, he he was enough of a player within the history um, to be mentioned. Now, um, I'm bringing him up to another level because, again, as I say in the book, his template and what he put together did not fully take fruition when he was alive. But... A few of the commentators, a few of the folks who do mention him in their books and on the Internet and other places tend to go to the point where I go to and that he created the template that these other folks who came after him or who were his peers that, you know, lived after he died, um, they took his template and, 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 and ran with it and, 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 and added to it and, and continued to propagate it and especially in the South. And so from his footwork, his legwork, his mind work, Charles Cocock Jones, um, we, we as the African population, can now see fully the fruits of his labor. I haven't checked the latest census numbers, but I'm sure 80 to 85%, if not 90% of black folks are Christians today. And and in in all different denominations slash denominations, um, and in all different types and angles and slants and whatever you have, but this Caucasoid laid the foundation. He walks through, like maybe if not in part two, maybe part three. I'll get into, and I can't give it all out because then you won't need to buy the book, <laughs> but. He walks through the best times to 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 instruct us. <coughs> Excuse me. He walks through the best manner of speaking to get us indoctrinated. Um, the, 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 the 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 best ways to do it. He 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 walks through again the how and the whys and the whats. He he goes through that and then. He took that template and he went to different plantations and 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 he gave them the sermon and even suggested to um possibly send folks there if if the slave owner if the enslaved African owner wanted it to you know help them out and to 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 um you know give them pointers and stuff like that and he got a lot of information and feedback back, and there were a few objections. And so, again, like I say, in 1847, he then put together his updated version, and he addresses a lot of that in there. Um, 
One thing I will read into the record, unless one of the callers wanted to speak up and say something, because uh, you are online. But okay. He lays out the benefits of the religious instruction of the Negro, and this is this is within his religious instructions. This is within the sermon that he did. Six six points that I pull out. On one of the benefits, there will be a better understanding of the mutual relations of master and servant. There will be a greater subordination and a decrease of crime amongst the Negro. Number three, much unpleasant discipline will be saved to the churches. Um, Four, the church and society at large will be benefited. Number five, the soul of our servants will be saved. And number six, we shall relieve ourselves of a great responsibility. There will be greater subordination. <laughs> Again, I, I mean, I'm talking about stuff in the mid-1800s, but wow, wow, everyone who's listening live, everyone who will listen to the archive, we should be able to see how that shit is still playing out today. 2010, about to be 2011 Gregorian calendar, um, how subordinate most black folks are, how anti-liberation minded most black folks are. Oh, I don't want to say that. That's scare white folks. Um, um, I get, I, I get mine in the by and by. You know, and all other sorts of crazy, stupid, stupid responses. And and I only did the church for three years voluntarily. So so I, I will admit I do not have happily. Thank you, Nana Tigre. <laughs> I do not have a, a a wealth of insider knowledge within the church, and that's why it's been a lot easier for me to step aside of that bullshit and. Um, Able to jump fully and headlong into um, traditional spiritual systems because I didn't have all that baggage and that um, other crap to work through. So now I know when I speak to people, I have to understand my own um, upbringing, but then I also have to understand that the majority of us did go through that, and um, and and so it always amazes me when I hear stories of folks who were steeped all throughout their um, upbringing in Catholicism who were steeped in, in all sorts of, of course, steeped in the Christian stuff from, from 0 to 18, 0 to 23, and then they still were able to come out of it. They still are, are, are strong um, pan, men and women Pan-Africanists and, 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 and African-centered nation builders, stuff like that. Because the the, 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 the the brainwashing is so deep and so intense and it starts so young. And so um, I always try to get people to even speak up if they went through that certain experience to share that, that folks can come out of it. Folks, even if you, from a child up, if you were brought up in it, you can still um, for real, for real, be saved <laughs> and brought back to your African census. And so, you know, maybe one day, you know, I can uh, get somebody who had that experience, share their experience, and maybe then share how they were able to come out of it. 
I know one thing I would say is they were probably part of a lineage, a powerful lineage, and they were needed. And so while they were still, while they still went through that Christian crap, by being a part of a lineage that was needed for um, Africa's wider growth, their, their spirit still protected them. And when they were of a certain age and they had their ears to hear and their eyes to see, when African information was um, put toward, put toward, to them um, in a palatable way, then it all clicked. And so then all the brainwashing left, and then they were able to take on African information from there. Um, but that's, that's just my, my, my um, <laughs> possible, my, my looking at it from a spiritual standpoint. Um, of course, there were other factors, too. But um, voice is getting scratchy now, so um, I want to thank the folks who were in the chat room. Um, I want to thank the callers that we did have. Um, I want to apologize for, to all the folks who, I think there's about been 35 folks who downloaded last week's show. It wasn't a show because I had to cancel, but Blog Talk wouldn't let me, like, take it offline. So I apologize if you downloaded last week's show and you got five minutes of me explaining that I canceled and 55 minutes of blank air. I apologize for that. Um, that was Blog Talk tripping. But um, thank you for everyone who has um, been downloading it. Thank you for everyone who's been favoriting this show. Um, thanks for everyone who's been listening, who's been supporting. Um, um, thanks to um, Kwame and Akosua for donating more books of Holy Lockdown. Um, on my on the site that I put in the chat room, to, if you want to get my book, you go to negrochristian.webs.wbs.com, and you get to, when you purchase my book, you get to pick a free book. And as of late, the hot free book that folks have been getting is a book called Holy Lockdown. And, you know, they sort of go hand in hand, you know, how to make a Negro Christian and Holy Lockdown. Basically, it's um, is the church holding black people back, and that's from an insider's account, and he's not going as far as me, as far as get out of church, leave that shit alone, and come back home spiritually, but he does do a good insider's critique of some of the insanity that goes on within the church, and so I just got um, a few more of those, so for folks who, after you purchase my book and you look on the page and that's the free book that you want. Um, go ahead, but they're going fast, so hurry up. But um, negrochristian.webs.com. And if you don't want a free book, you just want to get the book and, and be done with it, you can go to lulu.com slash Kamau, K-A-M-A-U 301, and then um, go through Yahoo, excuse me, <clears throat> go to Lulu. You can pick up the book there. Um it's even a little bit cheaper from there, but you don't get a free book. Uh, you just get this book. So next week, part two, we'll jump into, again, some of the specifics of what Colcock said in his sermon that he did in 1832, and then I'll share some of um, the commentary that I add with it, and then if there's time, we'll move into his updated 
version, the suggestions on the religious instruction of the Negro. We have to understand we did not come over here as Christians. We were made Christians. And if we were made Christians, we can remake ourselves back in our own African image. And only in doing that, only in doing that will we um, get free. Um, like we started off, we have to first start with who we are. From the Mama Rumble quote, we have to start from who we are, our African worldview, and we have to work outside of European reality to properly critique it. And the only way to do that in, in this specific instance is to leave Christianity alone, come back home spiritually, and then move forward with our nation-building efforts. Part two, how to make a Negro Christian, my book analysis next week, same time, same place, Abibi Fahudie, Total African Liberation.